0: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hour two on this Tuesday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Glad to have you on board. Stay a while if you can. I'm here in the man cave with Paulie, Seaton's at home, McLovin at home, and Fritzy at their respective homes. We have uh, the opportunity for you to listen. You can email, tweet, dial us up, and you can watch on youtube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Got a poll question. Not sure if we're going to change it or not. has to do with Cam Newton. It was on this day nine years ago when he was taken number one overall by the Carolina Panthers. And right now on the outside looking in, waiting for a team to dial him up. Yes, McLovin.
1: Okay, which team should sign Cam Newton? The Patriots run away, number one. The Jaguars, two. Then the Steelers, three.
0: Okay. Well, I understand the Steelers. I just, I don't know about Ben. And I, you know, Ben has been a little frosty when they took Mason Rudolph a couple of years ago. They've drafted quarterbacks, but you bring in Cam, Ben coming off that injury, Ben at what, 38 years of age, 37 years of age? You know, we're starting to get towards the end with Ben Roethlisberger. I just don't know how he would process that if you're going to bring him in. Yeah, McLovin.
1: There's another team on that Vegas list, the Broncos, which brings up the other question. Do you trust Drew Locke now that they have a couple more weapons? I'm going to
0: give him another year. I'm going to give him this year coming up because you went out and got all of these resources for him. You got all these wide receivers and, you know, they, they like the athleticism. They like his arm. It comes down to processing the game. They all have talent. You wouldn't get this far. you know. The, people make this argument all the time when they hear me on my steroid rant. Steroids don't help you hit the baseball. No, you get to the major leagues, you've already learned how to hit a baseball. Steroids help you hit a baseball further. You got a big arm, great. Are you able to process? I don't know Drew Locke. I did, you know, I, we saw him at Missouri. It looked like he had a lot of talent, but I don't know if he's a great quarterback. But I'm going to give him another year here. And it feels like you're giving these, these quarterbacks two years on the job, maybe three. And then after that, you know, the Bears know what they're doing. They're moving on from Mitchell Trubisky. And we're going to find out about Baker Mayfield. Was the first year the anomaly or was the second year the anomaly? You, you know, you have Watson is obviously a franchise guy. Mahomes is a franchise guy. Gardner Minshew, you give him another year and then that's it you know if he doesn't have you know produce great results then you move on from him that just feels like that's the new time frame for these quarterbacks daniel jones pretty good rookie year now we're going to see what he does in the second year sam darnold you're not quite sure with the jets are you going to get to a point like you did with marcus mariota where you're going we're not getting the production we thought we were going to get out of sam darnold you're probably going to be looking at this year as one of those make or break years for sam darnold Jameis Winston. They, they ran out the clock on Jameis. They ran out the clock on Marcus Mariota. You can run down the list with these quarterbacks. You don't get a long period of time. The grace period is so different than what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. 877 3DP show. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Spend some time with Jeff Passin, the ESPN Baseball Insider. He's optimistic we're going to have baseball this year. I'm not as optimistic. But I'm being realistic, and I think that if there is a baseball season, it's going to be obviously an abbreviated – it might be as many as 60 games. It may be something that, you know, the the playoff format could be different. Everything is on the table in all of these leagues. It's what gets leaked out. Go back to what I said a month ago, 12-game schedule for the NFL. You're going, wait, that's going to be in the fall. NFL should be fine. They're working on a 12-game schedule right now. They're working on the Super Bowl at the end of February. They're working on taking out the bye weeks here. Everything is on the table. College football, I believe, is going to be delayed. I don't have any inside information other than I'm just approaching this and being realistic, level-headed and saying, I just don't see it happening right now. And if it does, fans aren't going to be back. Are students going to be back? I'm preparing for my daughter going into her senior year in college to be at home for the first semester. That's the feeling my wife and I are getting, that let's prepare for that. So, you know, the NBA was talking about opening up facilities on May 1st. Now they pushed it back to May 8th. I'm going to guess they'll probably push it back again. You can't be closer than 12 feet apart on the basketball floor. You can only have four people in the facility. It's not, hey, the NBA is coming back. You're dipping your toe in the water. That's it. And, you know, we're going to have movement with golf. And then I think you're going to have other sports, The you know, WWE and UFC. They're going to be coming back as well. But I don't know if you're going to have the major sports back anytime soon. Is baseball coming back? Can they do it? Can they quarantine? Can you do it in Florida and Arizona? They're thinking about all of these possibilities. Everything is on the table. That's what people should understand. And I like that they're forward thinking, but you got to be careful. You got to be careful where you look at this and go, boy, it seems like we're getting back to normal here. We're not. France's prime minister just announced that sporting events in the country are um, until September, uh, there will be no sporting events until September right now. I mean, that's even an optimistic time frame there with just September. I I want to be optimistic. I hope we get sports back. But uh, I, I just, given everything, and doctors are talking about this. So it's not just a talking head like me. The doctors are saying that they're not optimistic on fans being able to go to sporting events until 2021. They're not even optimistic the Olympics next July that have already been postponed. Not even optimistic about that because just do the math, getting fans to go into one city, all of these athletes, all of these fans without a vaccine. And they're not looking at having a vaccine for 12 to 18 months. I don't know how safe you're going to feel going to a sporting event, but you can imagine a lot of people are going to be very, very cautious. There's going to be trepidation of going to a sporting event here, even though you may not have it. You may be asymptomatic, you may take all the precautions. You're only as safe as the people around you. All right, got our poll question. Are we going to stay with that, McLovin, you are you
1: going to change it? Paulie had an interesting question. If we had told you a year ago that these players were likely not going to the Hall of Fame, which one would you not believe the most? Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, or Antonio Brown?
0: Uh, I guess I would say Andrew Luck because they'd fixed the offensive line and it felt like we were seeing the true Andrew Luck. But at quarterbacking, you you have to have put up either really big numbers or win Super Bowls. And maybe Luck would have won a Super Bowl or two, maybe. But I don't know if he'd be putting up monster numbers there because of the injuries. Um, Antonio Brown may still get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Cam needs probably three more really good years to make it. He was an MVP, got to a Super Bowl, but I I would say Andrew Luck because we had high hopes when you're the number one pick overall, and they finally got some protection for him. I want to get to this. Um, Isaiah Thomas was making the rounds yesterday, also his former teammate Bill Lane Beer. They were on the uh, Detroit Pistons, the bad boy teams. And uh, and of course, the documentary, the documentary on the Bulls, it feels like you got to have a villain for each episode. You had Jerry Krause, little bit of Scottie Pippen, and now your villain or villains are the bad boys. And you get to hear from them. Isaiah Thomas gets to have his rebuttal to Michael Jordan with what he had to say about Isaiah Thomas. And they didn't shake the Bulls hands. Isaiah Thomas said, Hey, the Celtics did that to us. Now, I just saw this article. An ex celtics staffer refutes Isaiah's claim in the last dance about the 1988 team walking off in the playoffs. Um, So this happened with the Pistons and Bulls in 1991, Eastern Conference Finals. The Pistons left the court without congratulating the Bulls. They got swept four games. So if you're the Pistons, you're upset that you got embarrassed. You got swept four games by the Bulls. So Mike goes to the uh, NBA Finals for the first time. Now, they talk about this. Isaiah says that his explanation was the Celtics did it first to them. John Jennings, a former Boston staff member, said on Monday, what Isaiah said simply isn't true. I was sitting behind head coach Casey Jones, and uh, I'm trying to think if there was anything. Um, I think it was to get off the floor. One of the scariest experiences of my life was after that game ended, Jennings said, I was literally behind Casey Jones, and we were trying to make our way to the locker room. You had all these people. It was a dome stadium, massive crowd. They were coming onto the floor, excited, jumping up and down. It was crazy. Absolutely pandemonium. Uh, they finally beat us, so you get it. Nothing against Detroit fans, but I've never forgotten that feeling of trying to make it out, way, make our way to the locker room. Uh, All I know is Kevin McHale, who struck up, I believe, a friendship with Isaiah. You can see them leaving the court at the same time. And I believe Isaiah had talked to Kevin privately about, hey, we got to get over the hump. How do we get over the hump? Asking Kevin McHale, the team they couldn't beat, how to beat the Boston Celtics. So Isaiah said, hey, the Celtics did that to us as well. Keep this in mind. I was there when Magic hits the, the jump, the, that running hook in, in the Garden to beat the Celtics. When the, the Lakers won the NBA Finals in the Boston Garden, is anybody here going to say, I never saw the Celtics shake their hands? Or when the, when the Celtics won and a team is running off the floor at the Boston Garden, did, it, did anybody say anything about that? I mean, it's kind of silly. I mean, it's sportsmanship, but okay. Isaiah was on uh, Get Up on ESPN yesterday, and uh, he had this to say about not making the dream team because Reggie Miller yesterday, said, hey, hey, you know what? Uh, Mike didn't want him on the dream team. Plain and simple. Also understand this. Isaiah and the Pistons beat up Michael Jordan. They literally beat him up on the floor. They were known as the bad boys, and they lived up to that reputation. And then during the All-Star game, Isaiah told players on the Eastern Conference All-Star team to freeze out Michael Jordan. Don't pass the ball to Mike. (laughs) You can understand there's a little bit of backstory here with Michael Jordan. And Jordan doesn't forget. He doesn't forgive. He doesn't forget. Here's Isaiah on being disappointed about not making the Dream Team.
2: Looking back, if I'm not a part of the Dream Team because... You know, uh, a lapse in emotion in terms of not shaking someone's hand. If that's the reason why I didn't make the dream team, then I am more disappointed today than I was back then when I wasn't selected.
0: Isaiah's got to take some inventory here, man. He does. I know he's on TV, got a great smile, great basketball player, but you got to take some inventory here, right? Got to understand who you were as a player, who your team was when you were playing. It's different. And you can't do this to Jordan. You can't. And you can't come back and say, oh, I'm really disappointed that, you know, I, I'm uh, that we're being labeled these bad guys and, you know, we didn't shake their hands. and all. Own it. You owned your style? Then own it now. I, I would be shouting from the mountaintops. Hell no, I didn't want to shake his hand. If I'm the Pistons, don't give me this apology tour. I would go about it the way Bill Lane Beer did. He was on the jump yesterday on ESPN, and this is what Lane Beer had to say. Well, we weren't bad people. We were just
1: basketball players winning. And that kind of stuck with me because they didn't know who we were or what we were about as individuals in our family life. So all that whining they did, why shake their hand? They were just whiners. They
0: won They won the series, give credit. We got old, they got past us, but okay, move on. That's what you do. <laughs> That's what you do, not this apology tour. Isaiah goes, well, if I you know, knew what I know now, then I would have apologized. No, no, you wouldn't have apologized. You know what? You got beat. You got embarrassed. You don't want to shake their hands? Fine. Back then, it was okay. I don't need revisionist history here. You know, Mike could be an ass back then. He, he could be, a, you know, brutal on his own teammates and the opposition. But, but Mike, you own it. You own it. That's who you were. That's what made you great. And the Pistons? Own it. Be like lame beer. No, we didn't. they were whiners. We didn't want to shake their hands. Yes, that's the way to go about it there. And Michael can hold a grudge. Yes. And Mike didn't want him on the Dream Team. Yes. Isaiah froze out, Mike, on the All-Star game, All-Star team. Didn't. Hey, don't throw the ball to him. Mike didn't start it. Mike finished it. And the other part of this that I found fascinating, it's re- being reported now that Jordan finally decided to do the documentary. All of this footage that I saw NBA Entertainment cameramen shooting in that final season, and I kept wondering, what are they using that for? And I remember that I uh, talking to somebody because I did work with NBA Entertainment back then. I said, "What are you, you going to do with that? Is there going to be, uh, you know, that season-ending?" Video on the Bulls. And I was told, no, that's video that won't see the light of day unless Michael approves it. And I laughed because I thought, wait a minute. Really? Like, Mike's going to be the one who decides. And I went, wow, is he powerful. They had a contract. Mike would allow it, but he he would allow you to film it, but he wouldn't allow you to air it until he decided. Let's fast forward here to Michael being approached about the documentary because they, he had been approached and they kept saying, you know, Hey, we still have that footage. Didn't want to do it. Is it just a coincidence that Michael Jordan decided to do this documentary on the day the Cleveland Cavaliers led by LeBron James decided or won the championship. Mike decided that day, that day. It's not a coincidence folks. That's Michael Jordan. All that is is a tap on the shoulder to say, oh, I got to remind a whole new generation of just how great I was. Because now you started to get a little bit of this, hey, LeBron, he won a title in Cleveland. Okay. This is just a reminder. This isn't a documentary. It's not. This is a reminder of Michael saying to everybody in the basketball world, hey, if you didn't see it, now you get a chance. This is this is what it was all about. This is who we were. This is how great I was. This is the dominance that we had. We scared everybody. People loved coming out to watch us play. We were rock stars. We were the Beatles. Look at what I created. This is about Jordan. And Michael had control over the documentary. You can't call it a documentary if Mike had control over everything. If if his Company is executive producers. It's not a documentary. Now, there there are parts of it that feel like a documentary, but if Michael is deciding who gets interviewed and the final say-so with any, it feels like Mike always got the final word in the first four episodes. (laughs) He always gets the ball last with the game on the line. This is what Michael does. But this is what has been reported That Mike told the producers, let's do it after watching LeBron James celebrate a championship in Cleveland. I don't know if LeBron wins another title in L.A. that Michael has more footage to put out next year or the year after just to remind people that, hey, LeBron's got four now. Just want to let you know I have six. But this is about Michael Jordan. He's the ultimate competitor. Still competing. Give him a chance, he'll compete. And I think that's what this is. But if I'm the Pistons, stop apologizing. All right? You created an image. You know, it's an image, an indelible image. What you meant to the game. You don't have to apologize for anything. And you know what? Jordan sure as hell ain't apologizing. He ain't apologizing for keeping you off the Dream Team. Are you apologizing because you froze him out at the All-Star game? That's what Isaiah needs to talk about, too. Did you freeze him out? And if you did, you can understand why Mike didn't want you on the Dream Team. We'll take a break. We'll lighten the mood a little bit. Bob Saget, the great comedian, he's worked with something. He worked with Richard Pryor. He was around Eddie Murphy, Sam Kinison, all of these great comedians. Because he hosted, you know, when they would come on, I don't know if it was this comedy store, but when he was younger, he would be the host, so he'd get like, a minute here to have a joke or two and say, and let's bring in Robin Williams. I want to ask him about all these great comedians that he came in contact with. Yes, Paulie. He,
2: he, you ever see him when he did about six or seven episodes of entourage, Bob Saget. Oh, I thought that that was the true Bob Saget. He's hysterical and he's dark. Oh my
0: (laughs) God. Isn't he in that, uh, isn't there that it's it's not a documentary, but it has all these comedians where they tell the same joke, but they add something to it. Sarah Silver like it's it is downright triple X. It is nasty. But they all have their own interpretation of how to tell this joke. And it's uh it's pretty interesting. Twenty after the hour we'll take a break. CJ McCollum from the Blazers will join us next hour. We'll ask him about this whole time frame. And is he watching the Jordan documentary? 21 after the hour, this is The Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to The Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for The Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. The uh, Danette said you got to lighten the mood a little bit. You're kind of serious today. I went, all right, we will. Got Bob Saget set to join us here. Uh, Is he with us, Paulie?
2: He is ready to go from his home.
0: Whoa. We got video. Okay. Oh, look at that. We got Bob Saget on Zoom. You can watch on YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. What kind of stuff
3: do you have in your man cave there, Bob? Uh, My wife, a couple of jewels, nice TVs. Uh, I got some cool memorabilia, like important stuff from, you know, Richard Pryor and Rodney some chaplain stuff. I collect some things, but pretty much just human life, pretty much. Is is it in your room right now? Like behind you? Do you have this? No, behind me, I've got like Dodger baseball bobbleheads. It's pathetic.
0: What do you have from Richard Pryor?
3: I've got a a bunch of stuff, a picture of Richard signed for me. And um, I was in a movie with him called Critical Condition. So... Richard and I have a had a closeness. it was uh, I, I loved them a lot
0: it was how intimidating dead, dead. was prior back then?
3: Well, I was at the comedy store for like eight years, so I was just there as an m c trying to get a job. I would do little gigs here and there, and so I would be on stage and I'd bring Robin Williams up and then you know rest his soul, whatever the hell you say because he shouldn't be dead and then I'd bring Richard up. And then uh, Sam Kennison would go on. It was insane. It was uh, it's popular again. Well, it's not popular now. You can't go anywhere. But um, but Richard was was pretty astonishing. It was. Uh,
0: but who who got up there and killed? Where you go? I I can't. I can't do this. This is this is out of my league.
3: Well, as far as I'm concerned, no one now. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> well, we all know how to kill. At a certain point we can all set it on stun. If you've been doing I've been doing it forty-three years. So during that time I bombed, you know, off and on for a decade. And you have to do that to get good, pretty much. But uh the person that I was most impressed with was Eddie Murphy. Um he was working out raw and I brought him on stage one week. And, he, he, you know, unbelievable standing ovation at the top. The walls are shaking. And then it it he, he did great. And then at the end, I hate all the euphemisms that they give you. Uh, you know, he killed, he crushed, he smashed, yeah. <laughs> he wrecked it. I crushed that. You don't want to hear that when it comes to another person of the opposite sex or the same sex <laughs> or just some unsuspecting, you know, traffic officer. Back um, to Eddie Murphy. Yeah, thank you. God bless you. Um, so... He came in one week, did the set. He was in a blue leather suit, It was on a Friday night, did about 50 minutes, and then one Friday later, this is right before he was shooting Raw, like two weeks before he shot Raw, he was wearing an all red leather suit, came in, the room rumbled, the walls are shaking, and then at the, the set just built. He literally was so good that, and I understood what he was doing, he fixed everything that he was doing. He fixed it, he, he understood it more, he told it, he, he elongated it because he told it more as a person would tell it. Like Richard, that's kind of the role model for how you tell the story, you embellish it. Um, and he wasn't working on it at that point, he was refining it. And literally it was the biggest reaction I'd ever seen to anyone except for one set I had in central florida <laughs> but um, but it was amazing i'm mean, literally the walls shook and it was um the main room which is like a 400 seat room which used to be Ciro's. so yeah, uh yeah. it it was it was astonishing i mean and i and robin always would kill you know but sometimes the best people like richard would just take chances which, and Chappelle does that bill burr they go on stage and you don't know where the valleys are they're not going up once in a while it feels good to go up and go i'm going to i feel like killing tonight i'm going to i'm going to just not try anything that new or if i try something new it's going to be in the middle and i'm going to be all amped up Kind of like an athlete that goes, okay, I'm some. you don't know when you're in the zone, but if you feel that you're in the zone, then you can do no wrong. What you know? would Kennison
0: be like nowadays?
3: <laughs> I think he'd be where he is right now. <laughs> what, Dad? Um, not a lot. Um, he was actually clean and sober when he was hit by that car. Um, and I loved him. I got him his first – I'm 100 years old. I got him his first spot at the comedy store. I uh, also introduced him to Rodney Dangerfield, and then Rodney put him in back to school. And then I was in the Young Comedian special with Sam that kind of discovered him. And then all Rodney did all the time, I mean, he was a friend of mine, Rodney, and, and he would go, man, that's Sam. is unbelievable. I went, uh, I'm pretty good, Rodney. You know, <laughs> man, Sam, oh, Sam, Sam, <laughs> Sam. And then and Ron Jeremy would come over, and I'm like, Sam, Ron Jeremy, you guys have fun. Have a good night. You know, I'm gonna I'm going to go home and... And be a wait, Jewish wait. Husband.
0: So you did. Oh, you were married at the time.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When <laughs> I got divorced, I would then uh, I would take Rodney out to dinner. Um, and uh, at one time I didn't call to confirm. And Ron Jeremy was coming up with two hookers to sign a release uh, that Rodney wanted him to sign so he could put in his book. And uh, they were going to get stoned and just hang out. And then uh, Rodney. I said, Rodney, I, we had dinner at seven. He said, you didn't call to confirm, man. You didn't call. <laughs> uh, and he's wearing a robe and he's got no underwear on. And it's like, he's got a janitor set of keys hanging out of it. Basically he's naked. I, I don't think you need naked. to
0: say hanging out with Jeremy in the same sentence.
3: I didn't, I wasn't there. And Ron Jeremy's a big fan of comedy. So I was doing a benefit for my scleroderma research foundation. It's not mine. It's everybody's and, uh, that's a disease my sister died from. And so Ron Jeremy, he was at the Vegas uh, event and really wanted me to sign my book uh, to him. And he wanted to get in the backstage. And I didn't know that. And he he, he blocked the door with his unit it was incredibly. <laughs> um, uh, no, we got it. No, we got it. We got it. Yeah, right. No, I and, got it. Uh, so I signed it. And then I shook his hand. That ain't happening now. <laughs> you signed. A, you signed the book. No, I signed his yearbook. Okay, and, uh, <laughs> I had four sharpies <laughs> in case you ran out of ink. <laughs> I did run out of ink.
0: He's uh, Bob Saget. He's got a podcast. It's called Bob Saget's Here for You. Who yeah. do you Who do you want to interview? If I said pick anybody, and you got him for an hour.
3: Well, I'm doing it. Besides you. Yeah. I'm I'm doing it. Um, I've been talking to, I've been doing some monologues by myself where I'm just trying to figure out what the hell's going on and trying to give people a little bit of comfort. And I plan to do this thing before all of this happened. So um, I went and did two episodes where we were able to put it on tape, and it's on the the YouTube site that bears my name. But uh, basically, um, my first guest was John Stamos, because that's a prerequisite. (laughs) and uh coming up now in the i've got uh three shows uh that came out this week uh, I, the first two weeks i did three episodes then i go to monday thursday and i've i john stamos tiffany haddish bill burr howie mandel macaulay culkin um john mayer got seth green coming up jim gaffigan so it's people that i love that i've known a long time because we all came up together so I'll pretty much Try to get all my friends. But you know, can, you, really, can you can you ask helpful,
0: like, Macaulay to tap into Home? Like, is I can't imagine he wants to revisit Home Alone.
3: We did it. We did it. I, I recorded it last week, and I think it's on. Um, I think it's on Friday. I think it's on this week. Um, I'm not sure about the scheduling all the time because it's uh, done. You know, very high end in a secret lab by like. Of course four genius 25 year olds. It's like, I didn't even realize it. It's like, who runs Apple? Okay. You're on Apple podcasts. Okay. Who runs that? And it's like five genius 25 year olds. So I'm like, okay, cool. They know what they're doing. Damn it. And, um, could be your next wife. No, 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 no. It's mostly dudes. It's a couple of ladies. Oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. My engineer is this brilliant lady named Annalise and she, I can't believe what she does because I'm uploading her. That sounds wrong. Uh, <laughs> my wife's in the house. I'm not uploading her, honey. Um, she's not downloading. You're not me. downloading either. No, no downloading, no uploading. Did you? I got, a, when, I got a good pin though. My pin's fast.
0: When you were when you did Full House, weren't you a sports anchor?
3: Well, at first, yes, and Wait. they found that I didn't know a lot, so <laughs> they decided to switch me over to a morning talk show host, which I ended up doing. Oh, okay. Actually, I did that before I did Full House. But yeah, I was a big uh, you know, Golden State Warriors and But do you know
0: stuff. anything about sports?
3: A little bit. I mean, you run, you 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 score. I mean, I can make I did a movie, I did a TV movie once where I had to, I was playing basketball with my son, and I, I, I can shoot, you know, uh sometimes. Uh <laughs> you're a tall guy. You're that's the that's the thing. You're but every ranging. Time, Every time I would jump to make a layup, I would, my feet would come up in the back and kick myself in the ass. <laughs> so there was a Russian uh, basketball player. Was it Popov or something? Or what was his name? Famous. I don't know. Alexander Beloff. Was that the guy that would kick himself in the butt with his feet when he made a layup?
0: I'm going to just say yes.
3: All right. So you won. Yeah. I've got, I've got this for you. This is uh from Don Rickles, 80th birthday. Um,
0: all right. Yeah. All right. I mean, I think, you know, the the prior uh, stuff give, would have been better. Let,
3: let me give you something more valuable. There you go.
0: I like a uh, purel. Yeah. Very valuable. Doesn't. Yeah.
3: So so uh, yeah, I'm able to I'm able to fake it. I didn't have a double, but I'm not I'm not I wasn't the guy chosen on the teams.
0: Did you uh, talk women with John Mayer or watches? Because he's a big watch guy. I don't know. Is he a bigger big, watch guy or women guy?
3: Well, it's the same thing because you want to get your hand on the face. And, uh, okay, all right. Well done. All right, whatever. All right, I got your, you. Your little hands on your big. Uh, <laughs> my, my big hands on my little hands. Um, but what happened was, uh, no, we've been friends a long time, and um, and it was it was about ninety minutes. My my good interviews have been like ninety minutes long. Stamos was ninety minutes. Uh, ironically, it was exactly the same as the mayor interview. Um, no, it wasn't Mayor, <laughs> Mayor's interview, we didn't really talk women because we know each other, so we're friends, so we didn't need to do that because it wasn't, it was like when your friend, you know when you have a friend on not the, I mean if we were buddies all the time, you wouldn't go, you wouldn't ask me the same questions you know Yeah, but and you got to be asking
0: questions though, Bob, for your audience, not for you
3: Well, it's weird because a lot of people like Bill Burr just Tai Chi'd me, he's like Don't ask questions. This is a conversation. This is a podcast. And then he told me what my stand-up is. He said, you know what your stand-up is, Bob? And so he grills me for like 25 minutes. He beats the living hell out of me. He says, your stand-up is nothing more than the lines they couldn't use on Full House. And then you just drop F-bombs around it. He said, that's all your stand-up is. And so after about half an hour of getting pummeled by Bill Burr, who is one of the funniest people on is, the earth.
0: is Bob Saget. He's here for you in more ways than one. Bob, it's always great to talk to you. and uh...
3: I always enjoy talking to you. I, I, I just wish you a lot of health. You got a nice place. You got nice digs there. The show's done you well. All the other guys are living in poverty. I can see it right now.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Bob.
3: <laughs> You're a good man. Thank you so much. Be well.
0: That's uh, Bob Saget. Bob Saget's Here For You podcast. It's available on iTunes and Amazon. And uh, always good to catch up with him. I never watched Full House or Fuller House. So you only know his dark and racy comedy. stuff. Yes, I do. Well, I, I would see Full House. I just never stopped long enough to experience it. And then the Olsen twins, John Stamos, Dave Coulier. I just wasn't. I wasn't interested in Full House or Fuller House either. Maybe a little bit more Fuller House when who's who's the one woman whose daughters were trying to get into USC? Oh, is that Aunt Betty or something like that? Any of you guys know what her name is? Laurie Laurie Lori's character. Yeah, Laurie. and, And what's her character's name? Aunt Betty. Aunt Betty. <laughs> I don't know. That's Now I might watch, but uh, that, other than that, I, I had no interest in watching them. All right, we'll take a break here. We'll come back. Phone calls are welcome. And uh, I believe we're going to have to update that. Change the poll question, aren't we, McLovin, with Cam Newton?
1: Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, who would you be most shocked at not making the Hall of Fame? Antonio Brown, Cam Newton, or Andrew Luck? Oh, all right.
0: We're back after this in The Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to The Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. 877-3DP-SHOW. Get to your phone calls coming up. C.J. McCollum of the Blazers will join us coming up. Final hour of the program Craig in Virginia joins us now. Hi, Craig. What's on your mind today?
1: Hey, guys. First-time caller, six one quarantined one eighty-five. Hey, uh, I know we've been talking about the Bulls documentary. Uh, do you guys think the Bulls win the two championships without retiring Michael? Of course, he came back late in the second season. Wonder what you guys think about their chances against those Rockets. Thanks, guys, for the show.
0: You're saying when he went to play baseball, Craig? Yeah.
1: What do you guys think? You think he they reel off? Eight straight, or uh, the Rockets team matches up well against them.
0: Well, it was a different team with the Rockets, and I, you know, if I say yeah, the Bulls would have won eight in a row, then I'm taking something away from the Rockets. You know, the Rockets didn't have to go through Michael Jordan. We all know that they won that title. They won those two titles. That was a really, really good team, and you had one of my favorite players of all time in Hakeem Olajuwon. I, I would say that the Bulls would have still won those championships just because I would never bet against Michael Jordan. So whether that's being fair in assessing the talent that the Rockets had, uh, probably not being fair. I just know that when Michael was on the floor, he gave you the best chance to win a championship of anybody I had seen. Yeah, Paul.
2: A couple things. A while back, we talked about this, and I checked with an odds maker I know who worked in Vegas back then. He said the Bulls would have been the favorite to win the title both years even with the Rockets winning those seasons, going into the season. Um, that Rockets team, the best Rockets team that won the title, Hakeem Olajuwon, Otis Thorpe, Vernon Maxwell, Robert Ori, Kenny Smith, Mario Ellie, Sam Cassell. Those are the main lineup. They
0: had a depth on that team. You know They went about eight or nine deep, and you had Hakeem. You had some good shooters there, too. Uh, Kenny Smith, Kenny the Jet was great. Sam Cassell was clutch. Uh, Mario Ellie was clutch. You know, Robert Oriorio, you you had a lot of talent there. You know, would they have been able to match up with the Bulls? I who's to say? It 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 would have been a fun matchup there, but I would still always lean with the Chicago Bulls. You know, the Bulls didn't go to a seventh game in any of those NBA finals. They they would put now they had a hard time putting teams away like Seattle. Like, they might have been up three one and they allowed Seattle to get back in this. And I think they did that a couple of times where you thought, okay, they're gonna close things out at home, and then they didn't, then he'd have to go on the road to do that. But I would not bet against Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson for that matter. Yeah, Paul.
2: That Bulls team would have had to get through the New York Knicks. That was the East representative that year when the Jordan took off. Ewing, Oakley, Starks, Doc Rivers, Anthony Mason, Charles Smith, Greg Anthony. Derek Harper, Hubert Davis. Another deep lineup.
0: That's a deep lineup as well. And you got shooters in there. You just had to have people who knew how to close out people. I mean, that's what being a champion is all about. There are a lot of players, teams that get to a certain level. It's taking the next step. You know, this, this happened with Jordan. Jordan would get there and he would get to the door and that door would be shut. And then he would go back the next year. That door would be shut. He finally got to the door, then he knocked it down. And then there was never another door for Michael Jordan. Some team like the New York Knicks with Patrick Ewing, they got to the door. They didn't get through the door. Some of the great teams, there've been great teams that just haven't been able to close people out. And that's because you need that one person who's, who's a great closer. And Jordan's the best closer that I ever saw. You know, Tiger is a great closer, but Michael has to close against other people who are competing with him physically you know, Tiger was able, to, was able to close you out. Michael was able to do that as well. That ability to say, okay, now it's my time. And, and we see that with Michael Jordan. But make no mistake about this. It's not a true documentary on Michael Jordan. Now, I want to see what they say about off the court. I want to see about gambling. Uh, how in-depth do they get with Michael losing his father? You know, those are the things that I'm... Those are the things I don't know about. Everything else in the documentary so far... I know about. And maybe this documentary is not for me. It's for a new generation just to say to them, hey, you missed me. This will be a refresher course. And it's like the Cliff Notes version of what my career was. Enjoy it. If you think LeBron's pretty good, here, enjoy this. This is, it's almost like a public relations campaign by Michael Jordan and his team to just remind people, LeBron may have better stats than me when it's all said and done. He won't have this. He didn't create this. Michael was in the right place at the right time. LeBron winning the title in Cleveland, that day, Michael decides that he's going to do the documentary? That's not a coincidence. That's a shot across the bow just to say, hey, enjoy it, LeBron. Enjoy that celebration because when this documentary comes out, you're not going to be the second best player. You might be the fifth best player because it's going to be me and then there'll be four empty spots below me and then whoever is fifth on the list. Yeah, I've
2: Yeah, I've been talking to my son about this because he wants to watch it and see like, you know, learn all about Michael Jordan. And when I was telling him about Jordan, he said, uh, well, "Is he better than LeBron James?" <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, you know." And like his eyes got big and he's like, "Wow, he must have been really good." It, it's hard to explain why Michael Jordan was so great to somebody who didn't get to see him play because when you're watching the highlights, it's like big deal. Like everybody could do that. Yeah, Paul. My, my daughter Molly said the same thing. She was watching the documentary and I had the bleeped version on and she was noticing all the back, back and forth between the Pistons and the Bulls. She goes, well, if they're still mad at each other, why don't they just play again? I'm like, well, they're they're old and out of shape. And she goes, you and your friends are old and out of shape and you guys played that basketball league last year.
0: Yeah, like, that's true. Well said. Yeah. The AUAA. <laughs> There'll be a 30 for 30 on the AUAA, by the way. Uh, let me see. Kentucky A in Boston is on the phone. Kentucky, yeah,
1: two
0: twenty-five. Right.
3: Hey, <laughs> thanks, guys. Hey, uh, good morning, guys. Uh, just uh, have it on the unofficial, official, unofficial, official word. Most like Tom in Ohio. Um, a guy that was an extra in Waterboy has told me that the Boston Red Sox has packed up everything and they're moving to Arizona. I'm giving, you, I'm giving you the inside scoop on MLB that, that your, your MLB insider can't give you. Uh, right? Right? All right. Just break news. Thank
0: you. Thank you, Kentucky. So, wait, the Red Sox are moving to Arizona. Is that what Kentucky said? to Kentucky. Right? Right? Wrong? Wrong? Who's screening the calls back there, Marvin? C.J. McCollum and the Blazers will join us. And more phone calls coming up here on the very popular, well-listened to Dan Patrick show.